Welcome to the podcast. This is the Ashore podcast. My name is Cody Miles. I'm the founder of Ashore. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a brief few things. Being that this is our first podcast, if you don't know what Ashore is, Ashore is an online proofing software that's built for creatives. Its mission, its only mission, is to help creatives and their approvers collaborate better together. We're creatives at Ashore. Um, We build software for creatives. Part of what we're going to do on this podcast moving forward is interview some of those famous designers that you may know about and figure out just how they collaborate better with their customers and how they manage their time and how they make their lives more fun again. And being a software company, inevitably, we'll talk about Ashore at some points. So let's get started. Thanks again for joining us. And if you have any questions or concerns, just email me at Cody at AshoreApp.com. Talk soon. Cody? That's it. Okay. Didn't you want to complain about something? Yeah, I could complain about a lot of things. <laughs> Have you ever had a startup idea? Um, yeah, but you've given them all to me. Okay, which one's the best one? Um, oh, no, that was a podcast idea. Damn it. Okay, all right. Explain to everybody what the podcast idea was. Okay, the podcast idea was to get these two people and make them fall in love over the phone. Yeah. While we listen and analyze their conversations with like a a relationship counselor. Yeah. So it's like see, a reality show. Yeah, to see like if people can if you can manufacture love kind of without ever seeing the person. So the idea was that um we would we would specifically pick two people that we believed were compatible um based on whatever the relationship counselor says, like here, here's kind of the ideal for, you know, a, a man and a woman for, you know, these kind of personalities, they, they go together really well. Um, they've never met each other and they, they aren't allowed to know each other's real names, but every night for like maybe a month, right. Yeah. They call in to a number at like 9 PM and they're allowed to talk for one hour. And the relationship counselor is supposed to give them prompts to discuss every single night. And, and the idea is like every night we're kind of, facilitating these conversations that lead to deeper and deeper yeah. intimacy. So in the beginning, it starts out very surface level. And then yeah. by the end, they're talking about really deep emotional things. Right, right. So the question is like, um, is relationship compatibility or whatever factors we consider to be compatible in a relationship, is that a self-fulfilling prophecy? Will two, two people fall in love if you put them under the right um, circumstances and, and the right conversations and the yeah. right factors. It's like relationship in a test tube. Yeah. Can you can you put the right ingredients in to make people fall in love no matter what? Right, right. And then after a month, like after all these conversations, they're not allowed to know each other's real names, so they're not allowed to know like what each other look like. They meet in person, you know, for the first time. And we'll find out, like, at that point, do they hate each other? Do they love each other? Are they kind of, like, indifferent about each other? Does anything change after they meet in person? Anyway. Anyway. How are things going? Emotionally? And, like, what? I mean, I don't care about your emotions. Okay. (laughs) You're just my employee. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I'm doing great. I make money. I have a dog. And she's cute. Mm. That's all I need. Mm. Oh, no. You're going to start talking about... Me getting married again, aren't you? Whoa, it's a big assumption. I, was, I just, I just, it's you know, it's Friday. It always happens. On Fridays, I ask you. You're at. You're like, why don't you want to get married if you don't 
if you don't take better care of yourself, you're never going to find a man. That's true. You do treat yourself like shit. I do not. I have not gotten any questionable tattoos or piercings. Hmm, you don't have a baby. I don't have a baby out of wedlock. So, generally speaking, you're, I, you're doing pretty yeah. good. I went to college. Yeah. I, I didn't drop out of college. I know plenty mm. of people that dropped out of college. Has anything happened this week, um, client-wise, that, that's upset you? Has yeah. any, any client upset you? Yeah, John. Don't, don't name names. <laughs> John is not his real name. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are the things, that, as a someone who works in a creative agency, what are the things that upset you the most? Um, whenever people tell you they have a problem with something, but they, they, they're not clear what the problem is, and mm. they don't tell you how to, what, they, what the right fix will be that they'll approve of. So they're like, we need to discuss this more. I don't know what that means. Mm. Or like, you know, they'll be like, you know, this header doesn't make any sense. Right. I don't. So you're mostly talking about when it comes to copywriting. Yeah. Well, yeah. But also, I don't know, whenever people get really nitpicky. Yeah. And, you know, you have two, re- you have two revision cycles, you know, quit emailing me about everything. <laughs> like, but why do you think? Uh, clients in general, like they, they seem to be on a different page than, than you about, you know, some things or whatever. Like when, why does it happen? I don't you know? know. I think they get really caught up in, in like small details. Like they, they don't realize they can just put their website out there. They can just put their content out there mm-hmm. and you know, if there's a mistake, we'll fix it. It's fine. But they get really, they're like, there's a comma there. It can't be there. Mm-hmm. And like they get, they get really caught up in like, Everything needs to be right before you can push a product out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I had a similar experience this week. Uh, we were doing a, a pitch deck, designing it for a client. And ultimately, they, they were very aggressive. They were wanting to meet every single day to discuss what changes had been made to that pitch deck. It was absolutely unreasonable. Um, and so what we started doing was because we were moving so quickly, we were keeping iterations of the same slide in the pitch deck in the in the file and that was just mind-blowingly confusing for them you know yeah. uh and so they were they're like why why is this earlier idea in there I'm like well because we don't actually know if you want to move forward with yeah. the second idea yeah you can't if you go through so many versions at once mm. you can't keep it straight yeah you don't even know where whenever you've made a decision that has resolved an issue is in the in yeah the proce- that's true in the proofing process it just yeah I think the ideal workflow for creatives is like, let the creative do her thing. You know, like if, it, if you're designing something, you're writing something, let them complete the project, give first fruits, mm-hmm. you know, don't work iteratively. I think that's actually a really bad idea. It takes up a lot more time. You waste time talking about the nitty gritty, yeah. deliver complete projects as, as you think it should be the ideal. Yeah. And, and then ultimately you meet somewhere in the middle, but you have to let the creative do the creative work. And also if you show them one part of the project at a time, mm. they don't see it in context. Yeah. So they get really, it allows them to get really into the details and they get hung up on things and it really stagnates. Yeah, that's really true because when they see part, obviously they're looking at every project through different eyes, right? So when they see part of it, they're not seeing where you're going. Yeah. In fact, that happened with this pitch deck project one of the iterations of um, one of the graphics was like, here's what the this solution looks like without the solution. It's chaos. And here's the solution. It's all streamlined. Uh, designer sent it in. Um, and there was just, instead of like 
people's faces and like icons, there was just circles and they were like, what is these circles supposed to mean? Well, it's mm-hmm. a wireframe. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they can't imagine the future very well. Yeah. And they don't, and they can't read your mind and we obviously can't read their mind. Yeah. And so yeah. they need to see the finished product to even begin to give you good feedback. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it, you know, so like they're looking at things through a different lens, but then also when the feedback comes in, oftentimes they're not grading it with the same like requirements that you are as a designer or as a copywriter, right? Like you're, you're saying like, this is a good design or it's, it's a good piece of copy because, um, objectively I have created this criteria, which is not always communicated. Um, and I like this design is good because it is compliant with the brand. This design is good because it clearly communicates this very complicated idea in a very digestible graphic, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's how we determine things are good or not good, and then we pass it off to the client, and they say, uh, it needs more pizzazz. Or, it's not exciting enough. It's not exciting enough. Or, or can you make it pop more? That's every designer's. And then you realize thing. that their criteria is completely subjective and made up. Mm-hmm. And well, can, so and so that's that's how every designer reacts. And I think to some degree that's true. But but at the very bottom of it, you have to like as the as the creative, you have to look past what the client is saying and try to get to what they mean. Mm-hmm. And what they mean is there is some unknown set of criteria that I have set, although I'm not able to articulate it, um, and whatever you have delivered does not meet the criteria that I've set, the requirements, you know? Yeah. Um, So the creative's job is actually to get down to make sure what is the objective, right? Because good design is measurable because it it can either meet an objective or not, right? Yeah. You know, did you you realize that getting into this line of work, you're, you're basically just reading people you could be yeah. like a fake psychic. Well, but that's the problem, right? Because if someone says, um, you know, well, this needs to pop more or this needs to be more exciting, um, that's not something that I can I can definitively say is true or not true, right? Yeah. Because everyone's working from a different perspective. So if design can be objectively good um, and, and, or objectively bad, and that means we have to measure what we're designing, right? We have to measure it against something. Does it is it compliant with the brand or is it... Um, does it communicate this big idea in a very simple way? If they say it needs to pop more, well, that's something, a criteria that I can't measure because what might pop to you, I hate that phrase, and what might pop to me, you know, it, it can be completely different. It's subjective. And so when someone says that, they're actually not providing uh, any value to a conversation because they're not articulating anything. So what objective design criteria do you try to lay out for every project to make sure that the client and the creative stays on the same page. Well, that's something that is going to be different for every project, isn't it? You know, because the, the purpose of any design for like, let's say you're doing a flyer, you're doing a website or whatever, each one has its own objective. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is that prior to design, we, we lay out what those things are. We say, um, okay, what do we want this design to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we can set that criteria, um, then no matter what, even if the client says, well, it needs to pop more, we can always go back and, and kind of relay the ground rules and say, well, you know, you, you might think that, but here's actually what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Does it accomplish this? Yes. Okay. Well, I think, I think the good thing about clients is that usually you can talk them into your ideas. Usually yeah. if you just 
have a knowledgeable, like well thought out answer and explanation yeah. for your actions, you can usually talk them into things. Sometimes, you know, you'll never get through to them. That's true. Well, I mean, if you're a designer and you're delivering work that doesn't have an argument for it, you're not actually doing your job because you haven't thought through the reasoning behind your, I mean, the graphic fair. design is different than art. Yeah. You know, fine art, you, you can do things for no reason. I mean, you're supposed to have a reason. Can you, with art? Yeah, you're supposed, I mean, that's what an artist statement is. That's why, that's why people go to school and study fine arts. They're trying to come up with a good, Okay. You're, you're, you're giving me a look right now. Well, right. I think of like, um, um, what's his name? He, he pissed on copper and he, he did the Campbell soup. Uh, Andy and, Warhol. Andy Warhol? Yeah. I mean, I mean, Warhol, like Warhol was talking about like mass media and materialism yeah. and the way that celebrities get uh, commodified. Mm. So he had a point too. You're going to have to try better than that. Yeah, that's true. Well, okay. So w- what does pissing on copper sheets mean? I'm, I don't, I'm not familiar with that one. Right, those, right. So I feel like to some degree, while that might have been true at the at the jump, when you when you get to that point, it's just kind of like, well, now you're just doing things to do them. I don't know. I feel like he had a reason. I don't know. Is what... there a reason for cubism? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is my point, you know, like, <laughs> Cubi- like it's just experimentation. Cubism is, is kind of like about distorting reality and imagining imagining our three-dimensional reality in a different way. Yeah. And, do, and you have the freedom to do that when you're painting or when you're working in a two-dimensional format, you can distort how things appear. Yeah. So you are allowed to imagine different ways of existence. Yeah. For, for those of y'all who don't know, Abby is, um, she, she, she's obviously a creative at Brain Cave um, and she works at a shore as well, but you also have an art degree. Yeah. I, I do have one of those. And a political science degree. You yes. double majored at Southwestern. And uh, look, I'm using both of them. <laughs> I don't know. Let's put the question back to you. Mm. What's happening? How are, how are you doing today? It is your birthday. It's, yeah, true. And, and so far, all things are going pretty well, yeah. I would say. You got some whiskey. Yeah. You tried to give me too much of it. <laughs> that sounds predatorial. I don't I gave you a shot. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a little bit and I drank it too quickly. That's, see, that, that's, that's, that's all That's my fault, but it's also his fault. Thank you. This is going on the air. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit it out. People do that all the time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just take it out. Yeah. All right. That's, if you're hearing this, a mistake was made. On his part, not mine. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I'm really struggling right now because... Um, I'm, I'm dealing with some clients that they, they have too much that they're demanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for a very small project, right? I mean, we're talking yeah. about, you know, shit that we do on a normal day-to-day basis. And they're, the thing about it is people who work and live in Silicon Valley, there's this motto there. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're aware of it. It's, it's move fast and break things. Yeah, like Elizabeth Holmes. Listen, if you watch that Elizabeth Holmes documentary on HBO. Oh, no, no. You're talking about Theranos. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, take a shot every time they reference Steve Jobs and you will be suitably buzzed at the end of it. <laughs> suitably. 
Like they mention yeah. it a lot. Yeah. And she yeah. does too. She she definitely was like, I'm gonna be like the female Steve Jobs. Well, what's happened to her? Because now there's been this podcast where they really like denounced her. There's mm-hmm. like an HBO documentary. Has she, has she come out? Uh, I think she's in hiding. But yeah, she didn't. Go I would to, be. She didn't end up going to jail though. I think she just paid. No a fine. way. She no. didn't. She just paid a fine and went on her way. I don't know. I mean, which is just bullshit. Are we allowed to swear on here? Yeah, we're fine. Okay. <laughs> I, so I was thinking like, if if I were running a startup, right? And, and this is kind of like the culture in Silicon Valley, like you fake it till you make it, right? I mean, plenty of startups. I mean, if you watch the, the TV show Silicon Valley, you, you see examples of it there and, and they do a really good job of kind of like showing real life in a comedic way. Mm-hmm. Plenty of startups. In fact, some that Brandcave works with um, are completely unprofitable, don't even understand what their pricing tiers and their pricing structures look like. They're just trying to get something off the ground and get users and then get more investment and then they'll figure it out later. Yeah. Uh, so she's not doing anything unique in that culture. She just put people's lives at risk. That's all. Yeah, that's that's the difference, isn't it? Because you are selling the product. Yeah, she actually put the product in like Walgreens in Arizona and yeah. stuff. Like that people used used that machine to do blood tests and then thought they had cancer or something. Yeah, that's that's the difference, right? I mean, if you're if you're talking about like a like a pizza delivery app, yeah, you know, uh, like, that you're losing no money stakes. on, that's one thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, if you're going to do something serious, you know, and you're gonna and, and you know something that could really, I mean, it was a good idea. It would have been a great idea if it worked. But in theory, it's amazing, right? Yeah. Now. Of course, everybody hates getting their blood drawn. Yeah. Uh, but this is just next level. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do something big like that, like, back it up. Yeah. If you're going to make up a, an app to get free shoes on demand or something. Right. Like, you know, if you That's if you thing. fuck that up, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, working with these clients and, and, and they have the same kind of Silicon Valley mentality. They're They're in that area. Um, move fast and break things. Mm-hmm. My problem with it is, and, and maybe it's just because, you know, the agency that I run is not in Silicon Valley, right? Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're in central Texas, you know, just north of Austin. M- maybe, you know, maybe I'm coming from it from a slower perspective, right? But I don't think moving fast and breaking things is a license for thoughtlessness. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I think, you know, kind of too often, and maybe this is the case with, you know, Theranos and, and Elizabeth Holmes, mm-hmm. um, the 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 culture there allows people to be irresponsible. Yeah. You know, kind of gives them license. I think they also have a lot more money. Yeah, working in Silicon Valley, like, but it overinflates the ego, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. you get a big investment for showing really nothing. Yeah, and they're like, I guess I am great. Yeah, I guess I am doing something amazing. <laughs> right, but here, getting investment. You know, yeah, Austin, it is a little more difficult. And the, yeah. yeah, and like the the tech world of Austin is you ha- you have to prove yourself a little more. Yeah, yeah. Speaking from experience, you know, our app Ashore. Um, at one point, we considered going after investment, so I began meeting with investors. Uh, I met with one of the biggest. I won't say their name, but I met with one of the biggest VC companies in Austin. Um, you know, who funded some really really big ventures who are really successful today. And uh, they, they said two things to me. They said, one, we don't believe in the true SaaS model. We want a 
traditional B2B sales because there's more money quicker that way, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. It's not, yeah. it's kind of the opposite of what you get in Silicon Valley Yeah, um, with like the Dropbox kind of direct mm-hmm. to consumer, true SaaS, you know, people learn the model by themselves. They purchase by themselves. There's not really a salesperson involved. Mm-hmm. And the other thing they said was, we don't really want to talk to you until you have 500 million in revenue. Which is a ton. Right. And it's kind of like, well, if you're, you know, a burgeoning startup, you know, you don't have any revenue, you're pre-revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a rock and a hard place to be like, well, I, I imagine that I need investment in order to get to this point where I'm yeah. making 500 million in the first place. You need investment to get investment. Right. It's like, it's right. like going out for your first job. You need experience to get experience. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's definitely like this, this weird place. And then on top of that, they, they really, for whatever reason, they want to see that you've created, you know, convertible notes, right. Which is basically saying, I'm going to get into a bunch of debt to fund this for myself yeah, and then that debt transfers over to, uh, to the investor. That's, right. So like, who even qualifies in Austin to meet, to meet this criteria like that? Well, yeah, plenty of people do go into massive debt, but my thing is like, why would an investor want to get into a situation where they're buying into a startup with massive amounts of debt yeah. when they could be just investing to a startup that is already cash flow positive because it's running so lean and funding itself. Yeah. Right. It might not be doing 500 million, but if you see that the model works and it's validated mm-hmm. and they're not in debt, that seems like a less risky investment yeah. to me. And it, and it would be a smaller investment too. Yeah. But they're not interested in that. Right. Like the, the thing in Silicon Valley, for example, is like they, they don't want slow deaths. They want you, you either su- you succeed really, really quickly or you, you burn really quickly. Yeah. And isn't that why they say like the, you know, most startups fail within like five years? I mean, most startups fail in general within five years. Yeah. You know, just because they are pushing so hard and yeah. just eating through their eating through their revenue. Right. Right. But I think what Ashore has taught me is that any product, it doesn't even have to be the best product. Yeah. Any product that works, does what it's supposed to do, mm-hmm. even to some degree, with yeah. consistency, will yeah. become a profitable product. Yeah, if you just push an MVP out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get some traction that, mm-hmm. will, that can give it more stability. And once right. it has stability, it can grow. And you yeah. can add more onto it and really flesh it out. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it makes a ton of sense. I don't know why, I don't know why people in Austin are just so weird. I think Ashore is in a really unique situation now because we've never accepted investment. Yeah, and that's to true. be fair. We've we've never gotten a good offer. Right? We've, <laughs> we've gotten like you know we'll take fifty percent equity for you know two hundred thousand yeah, dollars, and good. that's total bullshit. Exactly. But. So today, a company generating revenue and growing 25% month over month mm-hmm. with zero investment. I mean, that's that's kind of the sweet spot. Now it's like, well, before I needed investment, right? But now that I've I've kind of bit the bullet and, and done this work mm-hmm. and it's growing by itself at a healthy rate. Um, and, and in fact, like we're, we're all extremely happy. Now I don't care about investment. Yeah. So now you investors missed your chance to get on now, something really now good. Now the investors, they want Cody. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, so, you just need to put yourself out there, you know? Make them come true. to you. Well, that's the inbound like marketing methodology. Oh, oh see, you were talking about marketing. I was talking about dating. Oh. Oh, so, so you know, getting an investor is like getting, getting a good husband. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> okay. How? Um, you know, like... You know, they they gotta pay. They gotta get you a nice house, okay? And a nice car. Wait, the investor is gonna give you a nice house and car. I don't think it's, they want. It's that. a th- those are 
the the house and the car represent different things in an investment relationship. <laughs> okay. You so, know, when when I was first starting Brand Cave, I really early on I got the notion that my, all of our clients actually wanted to see me as ragged as possible. Like <laughs> like if they got the idea that I was taking a week of vacation, you know, they would start they would start feeling like, well, he's not doing the work anymore. He's so not. we should fire him. That's true. You just you need to look tired and worn out. Yeah. And you're doing a good job of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jaded now. Yeah. <laughs> you you look like three years older than you actually are. That's true. Yeah. No, seriously, if you look at photos of me in the first year of Brand Cave and you look at me now, there's a very big difference. In fact, I met my next door neighbor. I tell you about this for the no. for the first time uh, since I moved in my new house. Uh, it's been about a year. Uh-huh. Um, the guy's two years younger than me. Wow. And he works for like the city or something. And uh-huh. um, I'm sure so, he looks great. I mean, yeah, he's, he's what is good. the city of George? No offense to the city of Georgetown. <laughs> yeah, well, it can't be hard to work for them. So, so you know, I'm, I'm. It's funny that within five minutes of meeting him, he hands me a beer and he hands me weed, and you know, that's how I knew he was good people. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I meet him for the first time, and and we're talking. And he goes, "How old are you?" And I was like, "Yeah, well, I'm about to be 28." And he goes. Oh my God, I thought you were in your forties. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? He was like, yeah, you just, you walk like an older man. You do. He literally said that to me. He was, just, he was like, you just carry yourself. Like you're much older. He was like, I see you walking your dog every single day. And he was like, I just thought that you were just an older person. Just an old hipster, an old 40 year old Come worn on. out hipster <laughs> who needs a little weed. I was like, I don't know. I was like, maybe, maybe he knows something I don't, or maybe he's just smoking a little too much. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say you looked like you in your 40s, but you do really carry years on your shoulders. I think that's because you, you you sit at your computer all day. Your back is like... Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you need a you need a massage every now and then. Yeah, we were supposed to have a massage today. For anybody who doesn't, who runs an agency or works in an agency and you don't get a bi-weekly, at least a bi-weekly massage, you deserve it. Yeah. Talk your boss into doing it. Oh it's worth God. it. We've yeah. had this girl, this girl that came last time, Crystal. Oh my God. She was good. She was good. She was so painful, but like in a very like measured way. Yeah. She and she asked. She didn't just go. She didn't just hurt me. Yeah. Without asking first. Yeah. It felt really good. Yeah. I liked the pain (laughs) and I don't think I would ever say that otherwise, but she, it was like, oh wait, like you mean I could have been getting a massage like this the entire time? Yeah. I mean, Caitlin was great because she was very relaxing. Yeah. But it was also 10 in the morning. And after I finished the massage, I was like, oh, I can take a nap. Is it better to have massages in the afternoon? You know, I was thinking that, like, have like an end of the day kind of relaxation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Play some nice music get a nice massage. Go home. (laughs) Get out of here. Yeah. I I, I hear what you're saying. Although you never leave. So I don't know when you would get, when when you would have a session because... You sleep here, basically. I do not. Yeah, he does. I I think I think you're right. Like sometimes I get a massage in the morning. I'm like, oh man, I'm so great. And then I have a couple meetings. And I'm, yeah, you get you get <laughs> to a really blissful place, and then you have to go like back to the reality. Yeah, yeah. talk to people about pitch decks, and you're angry again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I feel like my tolerance for bullshit in in the past six months has just gone so low. And then he's gonna have a kid. Yeah, but part of it, I think, comes with success, right? Because when when you're a, a startup, when you start in an agency, mm-hmm. you, you kind of say to yourself, like, 
At least they're paying you. At least they're giving you money. And and you do a lot. You do a lot more for people when it's like, yeah, they're not paying you to do this extra thing. But you're like, if they leave, yeah, I'm in trouble. And maybe maybe they'll pay you for something else if you just do this extra thing for them. Right, right. You're trying to like engender a lot of loyalty that right they don't have to give you. Right, right. But then, you know, you, you gain a little bit of success, you grow a little bit, get great people like you on board and, and you kind of mm-hmm. spread the, the work a little bit. Yeah, and um, now we can take on more work because you can just throw all the things you don't want to do onto me. Onto you, yeah, that's exactly the plan. Yeah, I, I noticed. <laughs> well, uh, and, so, and so now it's like, well, now I have options necessarily. I, I'm not counting on any one particular person to pay the bills. So um, I'm in a position where finally I'm like, you know what? I, I can fire you as a client. You yeah. know, I'm not, I don't need I you. I'm helping you. you, you know? Well, listen, I, I have a, a meeting in about 10 minutes. I need to get ready for it. Thanks for talking with me today. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Yeah. Talking in front of a microphone. It gets easier as it goes. Yeah. And the alcohol helps too. Yeah, I'm sure. So let's, uh, let, let's do this again. Let's see what people have to say. If, if you liked this podcast, um, hope you join us next time. Please let us know if you ever want to reach out to Abby or me personally. Uh, just reach out through Ashore, mm-hmm. which is our software. It's ashoreapp.com or Brandcave, which is at brandcave.co. Yeah. yeah. All right. See you guys later. Bye.